Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, we are wrapping up our series, Purely Equipped. I got a lot uh, for y'all this evening. In fact, uh, I'm most excited about uh, tonight's message. I encourage you uh, to take notes tonight and really just kind of track along with me. Uh, It's going to be a great message in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide. For many choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. I pray tonight that every single one of us would receive a word, not from man, but from You. God, I thank You that You are just sealing this Word uh, in our heart, God, that, that we're truly becoming more like you, that we're purely equipped. God, help me to equip your people tonight, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would help the saints both here and in New Orleans. In Jesus' name, we pray. Help them, Lord. Help them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We need help. We're not doing good at all. To comfort myself, I'm just going to preach for 30 minutes, okay? The title of tonight's message is The Journey. The journey. How many of you know uh, this life that we live is a journey? In fact, the Bible described it right there in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, and describes it and gives us the illustration of a highway or, or a road. And every single one of us that have been born, uh, we're on this earth, we're all going through a journey, but there are different people that choose different paths. And uh, the Bible says uh, that a lot of people are choosing the path of the enemy, which is the path to hell, but very few people comparatively are choosing the path of life that is Jesus. How many of you can say that, okay, yeah, I totally see this Scripture playing out uh, all across the world. You know, my, my goal tonight, I have a goal, and um, how many of you uh, play golf in here? Anybody play golf at all? I'm a golf poser. Um, I, I like the idea of golf. Um, I, I've been trying to play for many years. I got Brother Earl. How many of you know Brother Earl? He's awesome. He's one of the leaders in the church. And he was a high school golf coach. He's offered to give me free lessons and all that. It takes everything within me uh, to get out there. But I love the idea of golf. Some, okay, how many of you have played the, the game Tiger Woods or play golf on the Wii? You kind of have a little bit of understanding of golf. Well, golf is very similar to the will of God. And in this way, in an illustration of, you know, you have what's called the fairway. And the reason it's called the fairway is the grass is a lot shorter. It's a lot easier to hit. Things go a lot smoother. But then they call this thing called the rough. How many of you know what the rough is? Well, as you're hitting your shot, your goal is to just stay in the fairway. You're not going to be happy Gilmore every single time and just get a hole in one. You're, you're looking to get, you know, if you're driving, you just want to just stay, get a good long straight shot, stay in the fairway. But what happens a lot of times if you're a golfer like me is uh, it goes like, man, this is a beautiful shot. It's staying there. Oh, and it just goes like that into the rough. And so I don't enjoy golf very much because I'm not very good. And I spend a lot of time in the rough. And 
sometimes whenever you're in the rough, all you can do, you can't make the shot that you originally planned because you've, you're kind of back a little bit. All you really want to do is just get back into the fairway. And some of you, spiritually speaking, are in the rough where you've made some choices or decisions that have gotten you off a little bit. And my goal tonight is to get you back in the fairway. That's the will of God. So maybe you detoured a little bit, but that's okay. Let's get you back into going on the on the will of God. Every single one of us, the Bible describes this life as a journey or a highway Along the highway, sometimes we can make a wrong turn, sometimes we can get in the rough, but all we got to do is just make that next shot and get back into the will of God. And so tonight, my goal is to help you and to get back into the fairway or the will of God, so to speak. You know, along this journey, nothing will shape our futures more than relationships. And specifically, as I'm talking about, nothing, you know, nothing affects our life more than relationships. You know, nothing could be a greater blessing to us than a good, godly relationship. Talking about friendships or, or, or whatever it may be, a good, godly relationship can be an incredible blessing to us, but a bad relationship on the flip side can be terrible. It can be miserable for us. And so tonight, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about the journey of relationships. And, and how to live blessed relationships and how to avoid the heartache and consequences of bad relationships. And so tonight, the rest of our time that we have, I want to spend talking about four keys to having successful, to having a successful journey in relationships. Four keys to having a successful journey in relationships. How many of you uh, talking about dating are not in a dating relationship. Let me see your hands. All right, hurry up, put your hands down before somebody sees you. How many of you one day, I know it seems so far away, but that aren't married, one day you, you would like to be married. You'd like to get married. Let me see. Let me see your hands. Okay, mo- most of you. Most of you. Well, I want to help you. I want to help you tonight in going through this journey and as we finish up purely equipped, equipping you for the journey of relationships. The first key to having a successful journey in relationships is number one, before starting or even continuing the journey of relationships, get directions. Before starting, or you've, we've already started this journey, but ki- before continuing, get directions. You know, you might be able to relate with this. You might be like me. And uh, modern technology has really messed me up in a couple of areas. It's been incredible. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome, um, you know, modern technology. But it's really messed me up in a couple of areas. One of the areas is modern technology has made me a horrific speller. Modern technology has... I cannot like function without going through spell check. Even the words that I know, like on my phone, I'm constantly like, is that how you spell? Like, you know, I cannot avoid typing it in my inbox to make sure, sometimes getting the definition to make sure that I'm spelling it correctly. And you would think it would do the opposite, but now what I do is I just completely rely on that. The second thing that technology, modern technology has messed me up in is a device called GPS. It is great 
But what it has caused me to do is any person that just has the audacity to begin to give me directions, I immediately tune them out. I'm like, okay, just give me the address. Well, you go down this road, there's a little tree, you're going to see a guy named Hank. No, no, just, just address. Just address. That's all. I'm just going to type it in. My GPS, I don't care about the directions, just give me the address. And I find a lot of older people, like my grandparents, they insist on giving you the directions. I'm like, look, I will type it in my GPS, I will be right there, please save me 15 minutes, I'm already not listening. How many of you are, are, are like that as well? I, I'm, I'm notorious, and guys, guys are the worst uh, about directions. You know, we won't, it, it's the old uh, cliche, but we will not ask for directions. It is so, how many of your dads are like that? You, you will not, I know where I'm going. How do you know? You've never been there before. I just know, okay, I was built in with this, it's here. I just can sense it. I feel it. I know where I'm going. I'm not like that. I feel like I know where I'm going. Uh, with my GPS. I am so trusting in that GPS. I'm like, you know, the, it could be saying like, go straight. Well, there's a wall right here. Well, it's saying go straight. I I, I don't know. I, but I, I will just trust it and trust it and trust it. But in reality, sometimes directions really are better because sometimes you can lose, um, you can lose your, your satellite positioning and you can't get a signal. We were in New Iberia the other day coming back and out of nowhere, like just lost my signal and like, well, I, I guess this is how we're, we're, we're going. I don't know what, what to do really. And so sometimes directions really is better, especially uh, if it's a place that you've never been before. And in our spiritual lives, we have the ultimate person to give us directions, but very few of us actually accept those directions. Very few of us do. You know, we're talking about the will of God right now. And, you know, say the will of God for all humanity, the general, there's a general will of God. We know that. You know that, right? There's a general will of God, but then there's a specific will of God. And say for all of us in here, the general will of God is for all of us to head north. Like the general, all, all of us, the, the will of God is for us to go north. We need to go north. Okay, we know all of us need to go north, whatever way north is in here. You get the idea, up or whatever, whatever. We're going up. <laughs> the will of God is for us to go north. Well, how are we going to know? So we know that that's the general will of God, but God wants each and every one of us to take specific directions. He may not want us to all take the same path. We got to seek God and find out what his specific will is for us. So I want to talk a little bit about the will of God. So we know God has a general will for my life, but what is God's general will for our lives? Well, there's I could spend a long time just on this, but we're in our purity series right now and in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3 it says God's will is for you to be holy and stay away from all sexual sin. We know that. We've spent a lot of time talking about that. We've spent most of our time talking about that in this series and in past series. I don't think if you 
following God that you would argue that it's against, you know, that that isn't the will of God. We know that that's the will of God, and uh, we know what the general will of God for all of us is through God's word. But how do you find out what the specific will of God is, right? That's what all of you are thinking right now. Like, okay, yeah, I can, I get that. Like, you know, the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, I, I, I realize that it's not the will of God for me to kill someone, right? You, you agree, I, please agree with that, making sure every, okay, okay, good. Just wanted to double check on that. We know that, okay? But what your question really is, is what is the will of God for me, right? What, what, is, what, am, what is the will of God for me? And we know God has a specific will uh, for our lives. And in the realm of relationships, he has uh, a will for us as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, in verse 7, uh, Paul says, But I wish everyone were single just as I am. But God gives to some the gift of marriage and to others the gift of singleness. Now, over the few years of ministry, I've prayed for a lot of people uh, at the altar. I've prayed for a lot of people that uh, desire to receive gifts. I have yet to pray with somebody for the gift of singleness. Not a lot of people really want that gift very much. But the truth is, is that there are some that God has given the gift of marriage, and there are some that God has given the gift of singleness. Now, probably every single one of you are like, uh, uh, gift of marriage, uh, that's, that, that's something. I got the, got the gift of marriage because most of us want to get married. So we got to find out what is the specific will of God for my life. And, uh, and there's a big talk on, on who is the one, right? Who, the, the one. We hear this um, all the time, um, especially in the Christian circle. Uh, of the one and is there a one is there uh, not a one I'm not going to spend a lot of time uh, on that Uh, my belief is yes there is Um, for a few different reasons I believe you know God uh, has mapped out our lives he has a will for our lives and so if he has a will for our lives why would he not have a will for the most important thing in our lives and uh, there's also some just biblical uh, backing that's my personal uh, belief that there is a one. Now the big the big question is is are they the one? Are they the one? Yes, they. And the answer is yes, they are the one. The question is, are they the one for you or not? That's the question. There's someone's one, but are they your one? And a lot of times we put so much focus in on the one, the one. We hear these incredible stories of of people coming together and finding uh, you know, what, what is called their soulmate and God speaking to different people. And you put, a lot of people put so much pressure uh, on a relationship before it ever starts. And my answer to you and what I would encourage you is don't worry about the one. Just start worrying about becoming the one. Don't worry about who the one is. Start becoming the one. Start becoming the one that God has created you to be. God has created you for, for a person. It's pretty incredible how uh, God brings uh, people together. You know, uh, in my wife, in Kia, you, you know, she, all of my weaknesses 
are her strengths. It's pretty incredible that God has placed it uh, that way. And it's the biggest decision that you will ever make. And if I would have made the wrong decision, I wouldn't be in ministry today. Kia has been my greatest encouragement, my greatest influencer. I really, I wouldn't be here without her. That's not just because she's in here, but that that's the truth. There's so many times where I felt discouraged and felt just ready to quit, ready to give up. And she was always there to help me. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Now, it's important to catch this. Uh, this scripture took place before the fall of man. So Adam and Eve were absolutely perfect for one another before the fall of man. Now, because of sin and our sin nature, no one is perfect for one another. Because none of us are just like Jesus anymore. We're still working out those things. God's still molding us and shaping us. And so in this time, in this season, if you're single, don't put the pressure on yourself of worrying about who is the person for me. You'll save yourself a lot of heartache. You'll save yourself a, a lot of um, pain whenever it comes time to get married if you just allow God to do that, to make you the helper that He has for your spouse. You know, it's it's the most important. I, I think that um, you know, a, a lot of us, and I was the same way, I really didn't want to talk about this as a teenager, but it, it's, it's really a great opportunity for you. You have an opportunity to have a head start, to begin thinking, to begin preparing, not getting obsessed about it of, is this person the one or is this person not the one? Don't look at a person, look to the person that is Jesus and allow Him to mold you and shape you into the person that God's called you to be that way in the right season when God brings you together then then you are then fulfilling the will of God so okay in the season okay say you're entering into the season where God has called you you're getting ready to to maybe get married or enter in uh, to a relationship how do you know if someone is the one when you say that, that's a pretty important question that we need to address, right? How do you how do you know if somebody is right for you? Like God has called me to marry this person. How many, that's that's a pretty big deal, right? How do you know? There is a way to know. Uh, first of all, it's important to know this: that we were created in the image of God. It's very important to know this: that we are created in the image of God. But it's a little bit deeper than we're just created in the image of God. You know that God is the Trinity. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that He created us in His image. So yes, we have our body here, but it's important to know that we are made up of three parts. We are made up of our spirit man. That's what connects with God. That's what, get, that's what gets born again. Uh, we are uh, made of a soul. That's where our mind, our will, and emotions live. And we're also made of a body, this physical body as well. What I find 
uh, and, and being around people for a while, what trips up people the most on the one, so to speak, is a lot of people live in this soulish realm. So you have your spirit man that connects with God, that's trying to talk to God, trying to connect. But what we live in is we live in our our soul. We live in our, our mind. We live in our will. We live in our emotions. And so it's hard to hear the voice of God when you're just kind of living by your feelings. What you, you know, that's what the world goes off of. Should I marry this person? Well, I have a, a warm, fuzzy feeling inside, so I guess so. You know, I, I got butterflies in my stomach, so I guess I should go ahead and pursue this relationship. I, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but you won't always have those feelings. Uh, whenever, you know, if you're a wife and your husband has to go to work early in the morning and his alarm clock goes off in the morning, you won't have those warm, fuzzy feelings inside. I'm speaking out of just truth and experience. You won't have those feelings all the time. So how do you know if somebody is the one or not? We're still talking about the will of God. We're still on the journey. We're talking about getting directions for our life, the specific will of God for our lives. Well, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing, everybody say this, by changing what? Come on, that was weak. The way you think. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, what is good, what is pleasing and perfect. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, it says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right and pure and lovely and and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How do you know who is the person for you or not. Now, by the way, this message is for people that are serving God, that are Christians that are wanting to do it the, the right way. You can't do it. Uh, you can't do this unless you're following God's way and following his will. How do you know if a person is the will of God for you or not? You got to get out of the soulish realm and get into the spirit realm. How do you do that? By allowing God to transform the way you think. Because we just talked about, in fact, it says it in the Scripture, that the way the world thinks, God's got to get that world out of you. He's got to get that worldly thinking out of you. And, to, and until you do that and allow Him to do that to you, then you're not going to be able to know what the will of God is. You can be a Christian. You can be saved. And not be able to tell what the will of God is for you because you're living in that soul realm of what your emotions is, what your will is, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. And so to know the will of God, you've got to set your thoughts upon God. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Now, that can be a scripture like, man, so I just got to seek after God and, and he'll just give me whatever, whatever uh, I want. No, 
What that means is whenever I delight, I want you to catch this, whenever I delight in the Lord, what happens is my heart begins to change. I'm beginning to move and transform out of that soulish realm, beginning to get in the Spirit, and then I'm going to the place of as I delight myself in God, that it's no longer really what I want anymore. It's about what He wants, and it makes me begin to want His desires. So whenever I'm in the spirit realm and my mind is transformed and I'm seeking God and the other person is seeking God, saying, I don't, I don't care what happens. You know, you got to get to that place. Kia and I had to get to that place where we're like, look, it doesn't matter. You know, that we, we had attraction. We, we had a, a chemistry and whatnot that didn't matter. We needed to find out, okay, what is God's will for our life? And if two people delight themselves in the Lord and allow God to transform their thinking and get out of the soulish realm, God will speak to you. That's how you know if it's the will of God or not. You've got to get out of the soulish realm and into the spirit realm. So that's the will of God. That's the will of God. How do we, how do we uh, have success in our journey in relationships? Number one, before starting or continuing the journey of relationships, get directions. Seek the will of God. Number two, be careful who you journey with. Number two, be careful who you journey with. First Corinthians chapter uh, 15, verse 33, don't be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For for your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. Now, in the relationships, this is know who to start or continue a journey with in the in the realm of relationships, in friendships. The Bible is talking about here, if you read it in context, if you read all of uh, Corinthians, it's actually not even in this uh Scripture, it's actually specifically talking about people in the church. So be careful who you surround yourself with or go on this journey of life with. It doesn't matter if somebody calls themselves Christians, what is their fruit? You know, the, the, the world has, has kind of blown this thing up of, of don't judge me. And, and it's good. I, I know what they're saying by, you know, uh, the church as a whole has done this of, man, they got tattoos. I'm not going to talk to them type thing. That's not that's not what the Bible's talking about at all. But the Bible actually says to judge their fruit. So you have to make, especially in relationships of is this person really serving God or not? Let me ask you this. Do you really want to serve God? If the answer to that is yes, then be careful who you decide to go in on a journey with. Regardless if this person, everybody, I don't know if you know this or not, everyone in America is a Christian. Everybody. You ask anyone, you, you can ask a person that is on the side of the street drunk, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Everybody is a Christian. Very few people are Christ followers. It's easy to say I'm a Christian what is your fruit? And yeah, we, we you know, you, are you understanding what I'm saying in, in form of judging fruit? Seeing what is coming out of them, because if they truly love God, then as an overflow of that, you're going to begin to see Christ-like character. You're not going to see a perfect person by any means. There's no person like that. But you are going to see 
like a, a residue of Christ, if that makes sense. You're going to see some things coming off that, oh, oh yeah, that, that looks like Jesus. That, that doesn't, but I can see how God's changing them in that. All of us are in that journey. So it's important to make sure the person that you're in relationship with, you're going on a journey with, this journey of life, this journey of relationships, do not, the Bible warns us, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good character. You can have great character. You can have, you can have a, a burning desire to serve God. But I can promise you this. If you show me your friends, I will show you what is beginning to come out of you and I will show you your future. It's, it's an old cliche, but it is so true. I've seen so many people that have loved God that started following around people that don't love God or were lukewarm or said, yeah, yeah, I go to, I go to church, you know, or I'm a, I'm a Christian, but didn't have the fruit to, to back it up. What happened is that person would then begin to get cold. Their love for God would begin to fade and ultimately they backslide. That's always what happens. So be careful who you journey with. I was reading this morning in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. I thought it was so good. It says, don't befriend angry people or associated with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. What the Bible is saying is specifically talking about anger, but really it applies to anything, is look, don't hang around with all these people that are, are saying that they're serving God and not really, their fruit doesn't really say it, because what will happen is it will begin to wear off and rub off on you. And we know, you know, we know that we're supposed to be, uh, you know, we're not supposed to be of the world. We live in the world. We want to reach the lost. But the, for your own soul, it's important of who you enter into deep relationship with, especially a romantic relationship, especially that nobody can have a greater influence for the positive or negative in your life than that relationship. Number three, talking about the keys to living a blessed life along this journey of relationships. Number three, be patient and content in the waiting. Number three, be patient and content in the waiting. In other words, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey of singleness. You know, a lot of, a lot of us are this way, and I was this way as well. We're in such a rush in life. Wouldn't you agree with that? We're in such a rush to get to the next season. How many, how many of you are, are younger than 16? Let me, let me see your hands. Younger, younger than 16. How many of you, even that are older than 16, have just said it like, man, when I can start driving, life is just going to be amazing. Whenever I can start driving, it's just going to be incredible. And then you're a Boudreaux and you have to, you have to bring all these, these kids everywhere you go and pick up different things. It's not, it's not as great as it. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I'm glad that I don't have to ride the bus. It's nice to have transportation. Don't get me wrong, but we're in such a, a rush for that. Then it's, man, after high school, man, life is going to be great. I'm not going to have to listen to my parents anymore. I can do whatever I want. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, not, not necessarily. Then it's, oh, 
if whenever I get married, everything is just going to be wonderful. And it is. Marriage is great. But enjoy the journey. We miss out on so much of life because we're rushing to get to the next season. We miss out on, on so many things that, that, you know, a lot of us have missed out on so, of, of just our childhood because we're rushing to become an adult. And in the realm of singleness, just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Yeah, marriage is great whenever that season comes. I enjoy it. Enjoy it whenever it comes. But enjoy the season that you're in right now. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. The secret that he was talking about was contentment. Was contentment. Just enjoying, being content with where you're at. And I encourage you, you know, some of you in here are very young. Some are, some are a little bit older. It's getting harder to be content maybe. But just stay, be content. Enjoy where you're at. God, has, God is in, in control. He's in charge. And just submit to Him. Surrender to Him. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13 says, For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no greater to swear by, God took an oath by His own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God promised us. I don't remember who I was talking to the other day, but maybe it was Blake. I, I don't remember. But we were talking about, um, you know, how sometimes it's kind of unfair. Like, I, I want you all to catch this. Sometimes it's kind of unfair as that we're able to just kind of read through the Bible and see people's lives. Because we read in one chapter like, oh, God promised Abraham to have a son. And like a few chapters later, we're reading in the same time we're sitting down. Oh, there's the son. Well, in between, like a few of those chapters were 25 years of him patiently waiting on a son. And, you know, we we're talking earlier about modern technology and the advances of, of, of society. And some of it is just is just awesome. But in other ways, that we've been become very spoiled, and we live in a fast food mentality. Like we hate patience as as a whole. Like we go through Burger King. Like I cannot believe this. It took a minute and a half for me to get my order. This is ridiculous. Like you got a hamburger and fries in a minute and a half. That's amazing. But it's not fast enough. It's never fast enough. And we've kind of subconsciously. I really believe this. We kind of live that way of like, you know, in, in life, if, if one person, you, you know, you ever get uh, someone's behind you or you're in the line and like the light turns green and like you're already starting to go and they're already honk, like they just honk, like I'm going like it literally just happened. I'm already going. And it, it's just we live in a, in a society that's very uh, impatient, very impatient. And so a lot of us, what happens is, is we maybe get. A, a promise from God, like maybe you feel like that, like one day I, I believe I'm going to be married, but it hasn't happened yet. Some of you, you don't, don't even worry about that. Don't even be thinking about that. But some of you, you're in that season. 
patiently endure, just wait on God and just be patient. As you, as you focus on God versus the promise, if you fo- focus on the promiser instead of the promise, it's going to make things a lot easier. It's going to make things a lot easier because your attention, what, what God is doing, maybe you've experienced this in, in your life, but what God has done for me uh, in, in almost every area where He's spoken something so clearly to me, is there's been a long period of time, and 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 fortunately the way I've responded a lot is like, man, why isn't it here yet? Why isn't it here yet? Why isn't it here yet? I, I'm ready for it to be here, and finally I just get tired and just give up and be like, fine, you know what? If you don't, I, I surrender to you, God. Whatever you want to do, whenever you want to bring it, I, I'm I'm good with it. If it's another five years, that's fine. If it never comes, it's fine. I'm just serving you. And what normally happens and has happened in my life experience is when I get to that place, it's normally right around the corner. That's really what God's waiting for. In fact, God's not really on a timetable. God is eternal. He operates outside of time. And so He really doesn't care how long it takes to get there. What He's concerned about is you. And he's concerned about, we're talking about the journey, he's concerned about making you more like him, not about how comfortable you are or your will or your concern. And, and then there's a whole other message we can get outside the will of God and put in our own hands and don't suggest doing that. But whenever you wait on God patiently for whatever it may be, he will bring it in his timing. Number four. And our final point as we, as we finish up, if and when you get married, the journey isn't over, it's just starting. If and when you get married, the journey isn't over, it's just starting. And, you know, for a lot of people in society, we have, you know, with this, we have a goal of, okay, once I get married, then I have arrived, once I get a job, or whatever the promise may be. Specifically, we're talking about relationships. If and when God's called you to marriage, and when you get married, it's important to know that the journey hasn't ended. The journey has just begun. You know, before I got married, uh, I, I I thought that I was pretty much the most godly man alive. Uh, I mean, I was incredibly godly, but living with somebody shows you how not godly you really are. <laughs> like, like, man, okay, I, I got a lot, I got a lot to work on. There's, I'm not even remotely close to being as perfect as I thought. And it reveals all these things because what it does is no greater accountability than you've ever had. You're living with a person. Your flaws are exposed, but it's a beautiful thing. It really is. The purpose of marriage, God has a purpose for marriage, and the purpose of marriage is this. To make you more like Jesus. The purpose of marriage is to make you more like Jesus. And the Bible says that, that iron sharpens iron. And so we're talking about a little bit of this journey of life. You know, we talked about the will of God. How to know whether to enter into a relationship or not. We talked about the dangers uh, of who you're on a journey with. But as you just go through it, you know, whenever you're, you're content right where you're at and you get to this place of, okay, you're there. 
And for some of you, that seems so far away, but you'd be surprised. It's not as far as you think. And if you allow God to begin to prepare you right now, I want everybody's attention right now because I want you to get this. And, and we're, we're finishing up purely equipped. Nothing greater can I equip you than for marriage. You know, the stats are rising on fallen marriages of divorce. It's higher than 50%. It's the same in the church today. And so I desire for you to get on the will of God. If you get in the will of God, you can have a blessed life. And by the time it gets to the season of marriage, you can be blessed. You can have a good marriage. Trust me, you can. You know, you, you've, you can, you've seen, many of us have seen bad pictures of marriage. I had a bad picture of marriage through my parents. And many of you come from the same exact background. But I'm here to tell you that there are people out there that love God that have great marriages. There are people that, that I look to and see their life. Like, man, I, I want a marriage like that one day as I continue to allow God to work on me. And it's important that we understand this Scripture as we close. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. That's many husbands' favorite Scripture. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of His body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit to the husbands in everything. Okay, that's the wives part. Husbands really normally stop reading right here, but it's important for us to continue to read. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up His life for her. There's a great book out there. I don't know if you've heard it or not. It's called Love and Respect. Um, a guy wrote it, and basically the... The bottom line of the book is inside of every man and inside of every woman, we have a basic need. The basic need for a man is to feel respected. And the basic need for a woman is to feel loved. And so I'm helping you, getting you a head start whenever it comes to marriage. The wives, what your part is, I want all the girls to listen up to me right now. What your part in marriage when the time comes is you are to respect or submit to your husband and showing them that, okay, I respect you as a person, as a provider, as a man, regardless if you if you feel they deserve it or not. Listen, if you place it, if, if, they, if you don't feel like they deserve it, if you begin to put an expectation on them, they will rise to it. If this is what I believe, I believe that you are the man of the house, I respect you, I love you, they will fi- follow it. And men, guys, Get this, our job as men is to love our wives. Many of you, none of you, very few of you, I think only a couple of us are married in here. So it's maybe be hard for you to understand this. But guys, whenever the time comes, start to be that person right now. How does one person, what is a husband supposed to do? Supposed to lay down his life for his wife. Now, very few of us, in fact, some of us, it'd be easier for us to actually go ahead and and take a bullet for our wives. But in reality, most of us will never have to do that. 
But as we lay down our lives and saying it's not about what I want to do, it's, it's about ultimately what God wants. And what God wants is for me to lay down my life constantly, how to shield, how to cover her. I'm talking about this, it, it might seem unusual to talk about this in a setting like this, but many of you, some of you have great examples, some of you don't. And if you don't get it here, you might not get it anywhere else. And I don't want you to leave this place and have to go to the main service to start getting this. You need to start getting it now. You need to be purely equipped now for the destiny and the calling that God has for each and every one of you. Let's stand and pray. I hope you got something out of this. I hope that you're able to pay attention and get something. Because if you follow this, if you live this out in this journey, this is going to save you a lot of heartache. This is truly going to cause your life to be blessed. And I pray that each and every one of you, what I want to do tonight, I'm not going to have an altar call, but every single one of you in here, you know, there's maybe about 50 of us in here. Every single one of us don't just represent us. We actually, you know, most of us maybe aren't thinking about this. I want you to think about it. You don't represent you. You represent a future family. And however many years down the road it may be, you will more than likely enter into that season of of having a family. And I, I pray for us. You know, I can't control or, or necessarily change people outside of this room. But I pray that every single one of us in here, that the success of our marriages would be 100%. Not 50%, not 60 not 70 100%. That may seem like a lofty goal, but I believe it's God's goal. It's God's plan to have one husband, one wife, one man, one woman. It's the way God created it. It's the way God designed it. And so whenever it comes to that season, whenever it comes to that time, that as we just live this out, it's really not as complicated as we make it to be. It's really kind of simple. If we just follow the will and the plan of God, He will lead us, He will direct us, He will show us the path to take. So right now, what, what I want to do is I just want to pray over all of you right now corporately. Not, And I'm not praying just for you, but I'm praying for our future families in here. And I want you to think that way. Some of you, are, maybe you're like me, you've come from... A, a marriage, or not a marriage, but a family that was broken. Uh, you know, you come from a, a household of divorce or whatnot. I've made a decision by the grace of God that as for me and my house, things are going to change by the grace of God. And for you and your house, you cannot con- you cannot change or control where you're at or your parents or your family right now. But one day you will have the opportunity to do that. And your whole family, your generation that comes behind you can be blessed through you. I want all of you to just close your eyes. And if you have the liberty, just in a sign of just receiving, I want you to just lift up both hands to the Lord. Father, I pray over every single person in this place. Lord, I'm not just praying for individuals, but God, I'm praying for families tonight. 
I just declare right now that the enemy's grip on the family will be loosed and broken off of our life in Jesus' name. Every generational curse is being broken tonight by the power and authority of Jesus. I declare right now that we are a blessed people, that we are a prosperous people in everything that we do. I declare that the generational uh, uh, curse of divorce is broken off of our lives. Dysfunction is broken across, broken off of our lives. The wrong examples that maybe some of, some of us have seen is broken. Jesus, we're not looking to anyone else but to you. And Lord, I pray right now that through this moment, in this place, that we would be able to trace back. That's whenever the blessing of God fell upon me as I submitted to you. I thank you, God, for blessed families, blessed generations in this place, in this house tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now the challenge is to continue to walk this out. Continue to live this out. I've laid it out for you. Now will you live it? Live it out. Follow this. Allow God to continue to equip you. He can do a whole lot more than what I can do in just 30 minutes. If you just surrender to Him, allow Him to continue to speak to you. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.